Each episode of this podcast will be a bit different, which shouldn't come as any surprise to anyone considering who's making this thing. My name's Jay, introvert extraordinaire and procrastinator extreme, and I really, really hate the sound of my own voice. So I figured, why not make a podcast forcing me to have to listen to the jarring timbre of my own vocals, yeah? And no, that doesn't mean I'm going to sing. That would be weird. But I am going to read random things I've written over the years. Sometimes poems, sometimes short stories, sometimes journal entries, essays, or just random thoughts, feelings, insights, and whatnot that come to me at, you guessed it, typically three in the morning. The topics will range from personal beliefs, to random commentary on past and current pop culture, to books I've read, or music I love, to interesting things I've learned, to my take on various forms of fiction and literature, or taboo tropes I adore or despise in particular fiction, to, well, really just about anything. I also like to add in a word of the day to help broaden our vocabulary skills and even provide inspiration which can strike at any time for any reason. And, as a disclaimer and trigger warning of sorts, most of this is unscripted and uncensored, so expect quirky, raw, honest, and undoubtedly controversial material to randomly pop up and be discussed, or simply pop up, no discussion needed. If you like what you hear, then share this podcast with your friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, random stranger you meet on the train, and subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are released. I'm going to try getting them out on Thursdays, with an occasional Sunday thrown in if I'm feeling up to it. You can also drop me a voice message on Anchor with questions or suggestions. Hey guys, so this week you almost didn't get an episode on time because life. And just, yeah. But I'm here. We're here. Some fucking how I managed to get all of this done in one day. That's right. One freaking day to write, record, edit the whole nine yards. Oh boy, this is going to be fun. And I say this with all the sarcasm in the world. Okay, here we go. So welcome to the fourth episode of Haunttoberfest, my month-long feature event. Throughout the month, I will be showcasing books of the freakish, ghoulish, terrifying, disturbing, and the macabre. I will accompany these freakish delights with musical recommendations and, if I'm able, put together a playlist or two of music that inspires the mood. I've also decided to group each week by a theme to give the selections focus and some semblance of coherence. For week four, our theme is called Fear, or Fears, specifically. So how I interpreted this is by finding books on anything that scares you or gives you that sickening feeling in your gut, um, expresses or addresses phobias, terrors, uh, fears, you know, things that scare you, whatever, or just simply invoke terror or fear. Now, I'm sticking primarily to fiction books, although I did originally have some nonfiction ones, but they got cut at the last minute because I ultimately found I didn't like them. But enough of that. Let's get started, shall we? Our first selection is a webcomic. 
called The Vault of Horror. Appropriate, no? It is by various authors and artists. Uh, the page count, I have absolutely no idea. Uh, like I said, it's a webcomic. It's long enough. So, you know, the page count is probably pretty high. Um, here's a synopsis. In the mood for a scare, you've come to the right place. Welcome to a world of nightmares and terror created by the masters of horror online webtoon. Enter at your own risk. So is this completed or not? Yes, it is completed, which is kind of nice. Um, it has 23 chapters, aka short stories altogether. So I'm guessing probably 23 artists slash authors. Um, I don't know if they have any repeats in there, but um, yeah. So my thoughts. This one is a mixed bag. Some of the stories inside are genuinely scary and have nice jump scare moments for those who like that sort of thing. Others are just unnerving, you know? They just leave you with that unsettled feeling in the pit of your stomach. And a few are just not that scary, but still weird as fuck. So I guess that still counts just fine if you're willing to look at the collection as a whole. Um, it's definitely a nice anthology of short, scary stories to keep you up at night. Um, maybe even use as inspiration for telling your own creepy tales around like a campfire or a flashlight, you know, late this Halloween night, you know? Um, definitely the kind of thing that I can see you even deciding to, uh, turn into verbal ghost story, like, you know, like campfire story kind of thing, you know? Um, this is definitely something that would give a good jump scare. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, like I said, overall, it's pretty good. Um, so what I like about it, well, the variety and honestly, that very first story, it was super creepy. I mean, it's not like I didn't know the general premise of what was going to happen, but it was still creepy as shit to just read through, you know? Um, definitely a great hook to get you started on the series. So, um, also whoever put together the whole webcomic did a good job laying out which story should go where and which one should start, um, and which one should finish. So, um, like I said, definitely a great hook. Um, and I, and I think were it not for that story, I might not have kept reading until the very end, all in one sitting because I did, I, I literally just sat there and just read the entire 23 chapters, quote-unquote, in one go, um, because, yeah, it was good, it was good. Anyway, um, you can find this one, obviously, on webtoons.com, uh, I don't think it's available anywhere else, I mean, it might be, you never know, you could probably just type in the title and type in a webcomic or something and see if it's available anywhere else that you like to read but obviously it's definitely available on webtoons uh that's where i found it so yeah that's about it now for my second selection this one is a manga series called pet shop of horrors and it's by matsuri akino the page counts approximately 200 to 300 pages each now, since this one is 
very long series. I'm going to give like the basic synopsis and then I'm going to give like a quick summary and like some details and stuff. So this is a bit longer, but it's just because there's there's a lot to this series. <laughs> so here we go. The synopsis. A smoke-filled alley in Chinatown. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> a smoke-filled alley in Chinatown harbors Count D's pet shop. The pets sold here aren't your everyday variety, and the Count prides himself on selling love and dreams in the form of magical creatures that come with an exclusive con contract. But buyers beware. If the contract is broken, the Count cannot be held accountable for whatever may happen. A fascinating and macabre look into the very soul of human nature. Okay, so that, like I said, that's a pretty good like synopsis okay but here's like a quick plot summary so this is a japanese horror manga created by matsuri akino the se the series focuses on the eccentric count d proprietor of a mysterious pet shop located in the heart of chinatown and the, the numerous patrons that visit his shop so like i said he's a mysterious caretaker of this exotic pet shop um each pet is purchased from the shop that each pet that is purchased from the shop comes with a contract with three major points these points differ for each animal sold and breaking the contract usually usually results in dire and sometimes disturbing consequences for the buyer for which the pet shop of course claims no liability so each individual chapter would be based on these consequences and each is written as a standalone story. So with that being said, it's not like you absolutely have to read it in order. Like it would be advisable, yes, because later on there's like certain things that if you didn't read the earlier books, you're like, what is happening? Um, but at the same time, they're told almost like um, a collection of short stories that have a uh, like have a underlying theme it's sort of like sort of like how a lot of crime drama television shows are nowadays you know like Dexter or CSI or Criminal Minds or whatever like each episode is its own complete serial I mean not not serial its own complete like story standalone essentially but at the same time it's still going off of the theme of these particular characters going on these cases and then solving each case by the end of the episode there's a few that break that mold and you might have like a part one part two part three kind of situation but for the most part each episode is completed within itself and that's how the whole pet shop of horrors manga series works um now, for the most part, with the exception of the main characters and their families, it's rare for, like, any characters, like buyers or whatever, or even the pets, to carry over from one chapter to the next. So, like I said, it, it definitely makes the stories seem very episodic. Um, yeah. So, another, like underlying connecting theme throughout all of the books is um, the detective Liana 
Orcott, I think that's, I, I, that's how I've always pronounced his name. Um, so he sort of ties the chapters together as part of an ongoing plot, um, but more as like a subplot, because he initially suspects that Count D is, you know, doing some sort of malicious criminal activity, like he's a drug lord or, I don't know, a slave human slave trafficking or something you know human trafficking or something who knows he thinks he's that sort of bad guy (laughs) and that he's using the pet shop as like a front for that criminal you know illegal criminal activity but of course as the series progresses he learns more about the pet shop and more about count d and his ahem family and starts to sort of enter into a strange sort of friendship slash romance haha um as he works to uncover the truth about what's really going on and also what the hell is happening to these patrons of the pet shop so yeah like that's that's my more in detailed summary of what's going on so is this completed well the first series is completed, but the current prequel series, Pet Shop of Horrors Arc Adrift, is still in progress. So the Pet Shop of Horrors saga is comprised of 10 volumes in the original series, one four-episode television series, another 10-volume sequel called Shin, Pet Shop of Horrors, or the new Pet Shop of Horrors, and then two prequel series, Pet Shop of Horrors Passage Hen, which has five volumes, and then Arc Adrift, which I mentioned before, which has three volumes as of this year. Now, that one four-hour episode, I mean, not four-hour, four-episode television series is actually an OVA, like an OVA special kind of thing, um, and it is, I guess it's an adaptation, an anime adaptation of the original series. It does a pretty good job, actually, you know, um, yeah, it, it honestly does. It does a pretty good job animating um, four of the horrific tales from the manga. Uh, if you enjoy, if you even know about, Vampire Hunter D, particularly Bloodlust, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, then you'll absolutely love the OVA of Pet Shop of Horrors. It has the same sort of story ta- storytelling and art style and just overall ambience and feel and just, oh, it, it's, it's good. Um, but like I said, it's, once again, because of the episodic nature of this series as a whole, once again, each episode is truly like like an episode, like it's completed in and of itself kind of thing. And they don't really get into a lot of the um, ongoing subplot as much because, well, they can't. So my thoughts. <sighs> this is an old one. Like, old. This this came out back in 1995, okay? I kid you not. (laughs) I remember the first time I saw the English copy of this book in Borders. It was like, I felt compelled to read it, you know? 
and and, and after doing so, I could absolutely understand why. Like, I, I don't even know. I know. I know it sounds really bizarre and strange or whatever, but this book had quite the interesting com- concept, you know. Nowadays, I think the idea might not be so new, but back then, oh yeah, it was super interesting. It was just something else completely. You know, the idea of a pet shop that sells pets that can grant your deepest dreams and desires only for those dreams to turn on you and become your greatest terrors and reveal your true horrible nature inside. I mean, sign me up for some psychological horror and batshit crazy that happens with every single turn so like i said this 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 series was great because like i said each of the stories were all unique and took surprising turns and by the conclusion of each tale you were just sort of like I don't know, at least for me, it's probably like my sadistic nature coming through here. But for me, I was just really satisfied by the end of each episode when I saw all of these like genuinely horrible people get their just dessert. <laughs> you know what I mean? And what I mean by genuinely horrible people, I don't mean like, you know, these these people kick puppy dogs and stuff like that. Like, I mean, they're genuinely despicable at heart, but on the outside, they seem like you know, your typical nice, quote-unquote nice people, but within them is just such, just such, just horrible individual, horrible human beings. I'm not, I'm not going to even get into it. I don't want to give too much away. But anyway, I personally just, mm. and another thing, another big one. Oh my God, I almost forgot to mention it. Another big thing that I loved about this was the revelation of who or rather what Count D is Um, because that definitely took me by surprise and I absolutely loved 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 the queer subtext between Count D and Leon oh it's practically dripping off every page in every book and was definitely what I'd consider my guilty pleasure back then. Like, I was this young kid that was just kind of coming into myself and just starting to... I don't know, like, I always knew I was different from everybody else. But at the same time, there was nothing around me to help me understand what it was. Or... Or that it was okay. And so anything that I could sort of pick queer subtext out of, I did. Like, I latched onto it like a fucking parasite. <laughs> I'm not going to even lie. I'm not going to even use it like a nice word for it. It was a parasite. I would latch onto it, and I would suck that shit up. Like, yeah. And Pet Shop of Horrors for me it hit differently than like even some of the BL and Shonen Eye and eventual Yaoi that would come out later because there was something about Count D's androgynous nature like even though you know yes he used male um pronouns and you know also the translations who knows what what, what the actual original text was but the 
translations, you know, made it that yes, he's male and body blah, but he had it was this androgynous aspect of him that I connected to on such like a fucking spiritual level, and like I said, it was just there was something there was something about that that for me drew me in so so strong, and then on top of that, there was this amazing relationship between him and Leon that even Leon himself he was like constantly he was constantly sexually confused (laughs) which was great because I was like I feel you (laughs) so so once again it's sort of like yeah, like I, I guess I just connected with this one really, really strongly because there was nothing like it, nothing else like it at all back then, and yeah, yeah. Sorry. Anyway, all I'm saying is, listen. Even after all these years, the series still reads really well. Uh, though I will say, don't be surprised if you see late. 90s early 2000s clothing and references throughout each and every book because I mean you know yeah think of it as like historical fiction (laughs) okay it's like the nicest way I could put it um so where can you find this I mean this one I know for a fact you can find in your life in your local library which is actually kind of amusing um considering it's not your heteronormative reading material that you'd expect to find in your libraries but um yeah this 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 you would actually find in your libraries because I've I've seen it there um I don't know if you'd find it in every library but I've seen it in mine um and a couple others that I've just gone to at random and I've surprisingly seen like at least a volume or two of it in there uh but of course you can also find on your local online retailers I don't even know how or why I pronounce it that way it's probably because I'm trying to rush and it's just my my words are going googly gush anyway retailers um manga anime bookstores whatnot I did you know whatever you should be able to find it pretty easily online if you want to get your hands on a copy okay next book so our third book is called Wilder Girls. <sighs> yeah. This one is by Rory Power, and the page count is about 357 pages. Now for its synopsis. <clears throat> it's been 18 months since the Raxter girls... The Raxter School for Girls was put under quarantine since the tox hit and pulled Hetty's life out from under her. It started slow. First the teachers died one by one. Then it began to infect the students, turning their bodies strange and foreign. Now, cut off from the rest of the world and left to fend for themselves on their island home, the girls don't dare wander outside the school's fence where the tox has made the woods wild and dangerous. They wait for the cure they are promised as the tox seeps into everything. But when Byatt, Byatt, I think I think that must be how her name is pronounced, but when Byatt goes missing, Hetty will do anything to find her, 
even if it means breaking quarantine and braving the horrors that lie beyond the fence. And when she does, Hetty learns that there's more to their story, to their life at Raxter, than she could ever have thought true. Yeah. Okay, so, is it complete or not? Yep, it is complete. Just the one book. Now for my thoughts. Okay. First off, that cover. It's freaking gorgeous. I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, then... Okay, then then I'll, I'll try to explain. It is this gorgeous, illustrated portrait of this girl, but her face is unraveling to reveal that a beautiful, dainty little flower is growing within her. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's just, it's just really freaking cool, okay? Um, yeah, like, you, you, honestly, you can't even begin to understand how hard this hits all of my aesthetics. It's just, it's creepy, but also beautiful, and just, oh, wow. Oh. Anyway, as for why I chose this one for this week, well, let's just say that even the Wilder Girls came out last year. I swear it was trying to predict the events of 2020 on a more fictional scale. I mean, talk about hitting close to home with this one. Though I haven't read it yet, just reading the synopsis has put me in all kinds of I see so this is what the future brings vibes because of hello coronavirus you know in any case uh this was a book I'd actually been wanting to read for since uh, forever I mean it's been on my forever expanding TBR list even way before it came out because you know, I get a lot of updates on books that are upcoming. So I know about them usually before even the mass public does. So literally, like from since way back, way back when, um, when I first got even the slightest whiff or hint of the book, I was like, Oh, yes, I want to read this. And yeah, um, I just listen. I just was like, this is so good. But once again, as 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 I've explained, life keeps happening and my TBR list just keeps growing and growing and growing and that's the story of my life. At any rate, um this one is a feminist horror horror lesbian YA work of art that I am dying to read. And might actually be able to finally get my hands on now that things are kind of maybe well soon soon settling down on the home front oh god not yet but soon at any rate this one's got some like sci-fi kind of vibes going on with it too so it's like horror and lesbianism and ya and sci-fi and body horror, and just, yeah, like, this this should be really good, so, mm, listen, if you like that sort of thing, yeah, y'all can't see me right now, but I'm raising my hand so high, just so high right now, okay, I'm, I'm so for it, 
I hope and pray that those that do want to read it can, can find it, get their hands on it, the whole shebang, you know? Um, yeah. At any rate, where can you find it? Pretty much wherever. I mean, you can get it on Amazon, Audible, Book Depository, Barnes and Nobles, Google Play, yada, 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 yada. You can also probably find it at your library. Oh, you know what? That reminds me. So hopefully y'all know that you can still borrow books from the library without actually having to go to the library. It's called book loaning via like the million library apps that exist for your phone and computer and tablet and whatever, okay? You can borrow and read the ebook versions of all of these titles from your local library, just as long as you've got a valid library card. And even if you don't, I mean, you can borrow it using somebody else's card, like whatever, you know, like you can still borrow books and read them without having to physically go to the library and risk contamination. And yeah, you know, like you, you, you can do this, you know, I use Libby and Overdrive, but I know there's like a bunch of others like a um, Hoopla and Inkit, I think. I think that's one. And, um, um, but Book Amigo, I think it was called or something, or Book Amigo or something like that. Yeah, like I said, there's, there's a whole bunch. And plus, also, there's tons of other just you know, apps for reading books or for buying books or whatever that you can, you know, you can, you can definitely 100% still get your reading material, you know, um, from your libraries, you know, without having to buy anything, whatever, you know, money is tight for a lot of folks, myself included. So once again, you know, you, you can still read all of these great books from the comfort of your own home without having to go anywhere, whatever. And yeah. Okay. So you know, go, go, go do that. Okay. Okay. But before we go on to our next book, here's a, a short message from our sponsors. And we're back. So our fourth selection is a manga series and omnibus, I mean, whichever, basically whichever one you want to go with. It's called Uzumaki Spiral into Horror. <sighs> this book. Okay, sorry. So it's by Jinji Ito. The page count is around 200 to 250-ish pages for each of the individual books, and 653 pages for the omnibus. So the synopsis for the omnibus is as follows. Spirals. This town is contaminated with spirals. Kuro-Uzucho, a small fog-bound town on the coast of Japan, is cursed According to Suichi Saito, the withdrawn boyfriend of teenager Kirie Gushima, their town is haunted, not by a person or being, 
but by a pattern. Uzumaki, the spiral, the hypnotic secret shape of the world. So I was going to read the the synopsis for each of the volumes of the book, but I don't have the time. So you'll have to just read that yourself on Goodreads or something, whatever. Um, Yeah. So is it complete? Yes, it is completed. Um, Like I said, it's, you can either get the individual books, which there's three of them, or you can just buy the omnibus and it'll be all three books in one. Um, so my thoughts. Okay, well, first off, bit of culture and learning for y'all today. So to start with, we have the word uzumaki, which means spiral in Japanese. Now that alone should re- should rule this book as a nope book. Now continuing on with our lesson, a nope book is a book that you read and instantly know this will be the ruin of you. Either because it was so bad, you feel like you've killed brain cells, or it was so scary you might never sleep again, or it was so good you wish you could make sweet love to it, but that might be creepy. Or any other strong and assertive emotion you can think of, which brings you to your immediate reaction of nope, and subsequently places the book right back down. So for so many reasons, Uzumaki shouldn't even be part of the horror section in any part of the world or any conceivable train of thought. But this is the Japanese we're talking about here. And these people live and breathe horror. I would know. I'm part myself. So, this book. Yeah, this book falls into the nope category. Yeah, okay? So back to my lesson and why I chose Uzumaki for the day. We have this book, right? about spirals. Like, this should not in any way be scary, right? Or the subject of nightmares or squirming in your seat, or causing you to become paranoid that maybe your feet are dangling a little too close off the bed, and what if something's actually under there? You know, like, this this should not be anything that should cause you to to have any concerns in the world. I mean, it's just fucking spirals, you know? It's just a geometric shape. Like, that's it. Like, nothing about this should be scary. I mean, they're just, they're just spirals, for goodness sakes. And then you read this fucking book and you find out why they're fucking terrifying. Okay? I wish, honest to goodness, I could physically show you like just random pages from this book just like randomly showing you a page so that you can understand what I am talking about okay I I mean besides the story itself which is just creepy beyond words 
specifically, it's the graphics and the art style that just make sure that you know fear and terror and horror in your life. You know, they're just absolutely terrifying in a good way. But mm. and then, of course, the stark black and white visuals just add to the horror. Like, I honestly, I think if this was one of those very rare few and in between manga that was in full color, it would not have the same effect at all. What really causes this book, this this series to be just so unsettling is the fact that it's in this very, very sharp black and white style. Like there are some manga, I mean not pretty much all mangas in black and white, but you know, there's more than enough manga that even though it's in black and white, it doesn't feel like it's in black and white. The the the, the stark the stark like the inking of it isn't such there isn't such contrast or like I say it just doesn't hit the same way, okay? It doesn't. This shit it, it mm, okay, like talk about giving person some insanely visual nightmares, man. You know? That's what the art in this manga does. And that is also why it is a must read for you horror lovers in the room, you know, because listen, okay? So what I like about it, well, first and foremost, all things illustrated, aka the visuals, okay? I think without the style of art used in this book, I wouldn't have even blinked or even given this series a second thought. Like, yes, the storytelling itself is good, but I'm telling you, it's those visuals that really do. It's it's a it's a little bit like a another book slash series that, yeah, that I will probably end up talking about at some point in time if I haven't already um where once again it's the visuals that accompanies the stories that really does it you know just brings the damn thing to life and just takes that horror to like another level completely but um yeah so so what else I like about it um oh well also the idea of making something so innocuous terrifying you know, I have a firm belief that anything can be made horrific if you know what to do, how to push people's buttons, or just exactly what needs to be done to bring out the disturbing in the everyday. And this book most certainly messes with everything you thought you knew, you know, um, yeah you know like that that's the best way of putting it and I guess the last point that I really liked about it was the fact that it is a series you know because if it was just a like a collection of short stories or like a standalone book yeah that would have been fine and and good and everything but I feel like the fact that it was a series that it progressed and that we got to watch this terror and horror unfold. Yeah, that, that did it, you know, like, I, 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 I don't know. Like I said, it just, this book really had me wanting more and at the same time, never wanting to read it again. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
I, I wanted more and then I got more. And I guess that's what I mean when I say I'm glad that it was a series because if it wasn't, I would have probably been a bit upset because I would have felt almost like shit you're leaving me hanging like why are you doing this 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 this, this no you know and it, I, I don't know I feel like the fact that it was a series it had a beginning middle end it helped to make this bearable for me <laughs> that's the nicest way of putting it um but at any rate this one you should be able to find pretty much anywhere like if your local bookstores sell manga this one might actually be on the shelves i wouldn't be surprised if you actually see this one on the shelves um and if not once again of course your on your online retailers um should definitely have it you know amazon's book depository you know places like that all of them should definitely have um even if they don't have the um the individual copies they'll definitely have the omnibus because i think that came out more recently so yeah definitely go go check that one out like oh this i forgot to mention if you are a fan of not just horror but like body horror yeah go check this out like (laughs) there's no ifs ands or buts about it if you enjoy body horror then you will definitely 150 percent you'll love this book okay you'll love this series end of story all right now for our fifth book. So this one is a novella. I mean, I don't even know if I can quite call it that, but it's a novella, and it's called Sour Candy. It's by Kialan, Kialan Patrick Burke. I don't even know if I pronounced the first name right. I'm sorry if I didn't. And its page count is only 67 pages, which is why I'm like, I'm like hesitant to call it a novella, because it's like... <sighs> This could be like a long short story actually, but whatever. Anyway, the synopsis goes as follows. A stomach twisting ride through the depths of horror, breathing new life into an often stagnant part of the genre. At first glance, Phil Pendleton and his son Adam are just an ordinary father and son, no different from any other. They take walks in the park together visit county fairs, museums, and zoos, and eat together overlooking the lake. Some might say the father is a little too accommodating given the lack of discipline when the child loses his temper in public. Some say he spoils his son by allowing him to set his own bedtimes and eat candy whenever he wants. Some might say that such a leniency is starting to take its toll on the father given how his health has declined. What no one knows is that Phil is a prisoner, and that up until a few weeks ago, and a chance encounter at a grocery store, he had never seen the child before in his life. Dun dun dun! Yeah. So is this completed? Well, it seems it. Um, I guess it's just a short little novella thing after all, so I guess. Now my thoughts on it. Well, I'm not going to lie. Um, by now, y'all should know that me and kids don't really mix. You know, they seem to love me, but I'm just like, eek, get away, you little creature things. Um, but it kind of goes even more than that. Like, little kids are just freaky. 
you know they really are the freakiest shit man okay they just are and any horror that has little kids in it is probably going to be an automatic freak me the fuck out like automatically this one in particular sounds like it should be sweet madness so i am definitely wrecking it even though it's so short you know and and I I have to say that because normally I wouldn't even dream of recommending so-called books, quote-unquote, under 100 pages. Um, But this one actually looks promising. And like I said, even though I haven't read it yet, and I can't give it like my 100% seal of approval, I just, I have this really good feeling about it that it should be at the very least like for people like me who already don't like kids (laughs) you know it should be like our worst nightmare (laughs) so with that being said um oh yes and the other thing about this that um 150 percent i will say caught my eye about it that i do like is the cover it's like the epitome of horror aesthetics because it's just it's so freaking gorge okay it's got like some hannibal vibes going on there and hannibal is in like hannibal the tv series kind of vibes going on there with that stag's head and then like the that deep blood red kind of oh my god it's gorgeous listen if nothing else the cover is working for this book yeah so where can you find it? Um, I don't know if this one is as readily available as some of the others. Where I saw it was on Amazon, but I didn't check to see if it was available anywhere else. Uh, once again, I don't even know if it's... Like I said, I don't... I don't know. I don't know if this one is going to be easily found elsewhere. I'm going to actually look it up right now, so... Excuse me as I check it out. Okay, so we got... Okay, so I see it available at Books A Million and on Kobo, K-O-B-O, and at Barnes & Nobles and Amazon. Okay, so it's at a couple places, which is good. Um and bookshop.org what is this ah support local bookstores shop online with bookshop huh okay i'm gonna save that looks interesting right then sorry i got off topic anyway so yeah so apparently you can find it a few different places um so yeah check it out it's a short one so for those of you who don't like long books why but anyway for those of you who don't like long books you can give that one a go it's like i said just 67 pages don't even classify that as a book but whatever on to our next selection so um our sixth selection is actually two books um it's a duology and it's one that all of y'all should know very, very well. It's The Shining and its sequel, Dr. Sleep by Stephen King. 
so the page count i don't even know like it's 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 long i mean these are stephen king books after all he he doesn't really write short shit so it's they're 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 long um so the synopsis for these can i be honest with you i feel like this isn't even something i should have to give synopsis is for like this is this is prime horror here you know you you should you should know what these are you should know what they're about and also i'm desperately trying to get all of this recording done before i run out of time so uh i'll just do the i'll yeah i'll just do the short versions of these okay short 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 here we go synopsis of the shining so jack's new job at the overlook hotel is the perfect chance for a fresh start as the off-season caretaker at the atmospheric old hotel that he'll have plenty of time to spend reconnecting with his family and working on his writing but as the harsh winter weather sets in the idyllic location feels ever more remote and more sinister and the only one to notice the strange and terrible forces gathering around the overlook is Danny, a uniquely gifted five-year-old. Okay, okay. So that's for The Shining. Now for Dr. Sleep. So Stephen King returns to the characters and territories of one of his most popular novels ever, The Shining, in this instantly riveting novel about how now middle-aged Dan, the boy protagonist of The Shining, and the very special 12-year-old girl he must save from a tribe of murderous paranormals. Okay? Okay. All right. So, that's all I'm going to say about that. I could have read more, but I don't have the time. Is this complete? Well, obviously, like I said, it's a duology. I highly doubt he's going to come back with a third book out of nowhere. But then again, who knows? Maybe. Now, my thoughts. Honestly, I feel like these two should be self-explanatory, like I like I was saying about the synopsis. Um, but what I will say, and admit to it completely, honestly, whatever, is that I legit have not read or seen the movie for Dr. Sleep. I know, I know, sacrilege, how can I call myself a Stephen King fan, etc., etc. Listen. I just, when this one came out, a lot of shit was happening in my life, okay? There's like, I have bursts of periods in my life when just shit happens. It's, it, sometimes it's continuous and it's just like one thing after another after another. And I swear if I told people about the things that go on in my life, they would legit be like, what the F? like I said it's it's they come in bursts of just everything going wrong and then suddenly like this lull of okay nothing's happening good let me take advantage of that like you know what I mean that's that's literally how my life has been um and when this book when when the second book Dr. Sleep came out it was during one of those bursts of just what the fuck okay um yeah like it it was just there was just no way that I could curl up with a good book and 
or anything. Like this is just this just wasn't. It was like the farthest thing from my mind at the time. And by the time things did settle down again, almost like two to three years later, I just like I said, I don't know. I've I've sort of just forgot about it. I mean, once again, just was not the most important thing going on in my life at the time, you know? And and also when things did settle down again, there was just a lot of really cool things happening then. So even more so, it was like, like I said, it just, I don't know, like a lot of books from that period of time just sort of got lost by the wayside. I didn't end up reading them or even knowing anything about them until way, way later, like years later. So that that's my only, that's all I can say about that, okay? I ha- I have no, I have nothing more to say. I have no, I've there's no excuse but listen that's just that's just how it is okay okay once again this will be another book that hopefully once things go back into the lull period which i'm hoping is going to be happening soon (sighs) once that happens i'm hoping and praying that i'll be able to get my hands on a copy of this book and i'll be able to read it and then i'll be like yay i've read it whoop-de-doo but until then i can only recommend it and say listen If you call yourself a horror fan, if you call yourself a Stephen King fan, you need to have read it. Just saying. At the very least, read The Shining. Come on now. Freaking Shining, okay? And no, the book and the movie are not the same. The movie is more or less loosely based off of because they took a lot a lot of creative so much so much that just went way 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 left field it's fine the movie is still fantastic i'm not not knocking the movie the movie was great but i'm just saying like they they took you know creative license serious okay like seriously okay read the book read the book enjoy the book love the book be able to once again redeem yourself as a horror fan okay okay now for our seventh and final book of this week it is one of my all-time favorites it is the omnibus edition collection of short stories by alvin schwartz an illustrator, Stefan Gamel, called Scary Story Treasuries. <sighs> Listen to me right now. If your childhood did not encompass this book, I am so sorry and sad for you. <laughs> okay? <laughs> If your childhood did encompass this book, then you are one of the cool kids, okay? <laughs> Listen, this is this collection of stories is sort of like it goes down the hall of fame in the same category and oh my god I didn't even read the synopsis or anything let me do that first and then I will give you my thoughts yes okay here we go synopsis Schwartz's three best-selling collections of scary folktale scary stories to tell in the dark 
more scary stories to tell in the dark and scary stories three are made available in one book each one in its complete form okay is it complete obviously it is the omnibus edition and it's got all three or four books in one something like that okay okay now let me go on to my thoughts okay like i said this book is sort of like one of those that goes down in like the camp scary scary story campfire stories hall of fame okay it it's right up there in the same league of you know rl stein's ghost bumps and um um who's afraid of the dark and um just like things like that you know it really is it is it go it's right up there it really is it is right up there you know and don't get me wrong like some of those stories aren't exactly scary so to speak or they're scary but for kids kind of scary but listen this is this is like true classic horror fiction right here okay scary folk tales that you you know you tell you, you know good good verbal stories that you would want to like you know recite to somebody and just scare the pants off of them okay <laughs> but anyway like i said from for many of you the title itself might remind you of um the movie actually that came out a couple of years ago uh and though i've never seen it i can confirm that yes it was based on um or taken from stories found in this delightfully disturbing tomb um i don't know which stories they used in the movie I don't even know if they did the movie just, you know, I, I don't know if they did, if they did the movie well or not. Let's just put it this way. If they did do it well, then great, because then, you know, it's showcasing this collection of short stories well. If they did a shit job with the movie, then forget the movie entirely and read the damn book. You will not be disappointed by the book, even if you were by the movie. Okay? Okay. Um... Like I was saying before, to put it simply, this book is my childhood. Um, I remember the first time I read this back in fifth grade, I was utterly engrossed with the content material. And I will never forget that one story about the bride. Like, oh my god. Listen, that one stays in my brain till the, to this day, and it'll probably continue staying in my brain until the day I die. Okay? It's just... Mm. Anyway, if you like ghost stories, scary stories, um, folk tales, like, you know, creepy folk tales, like, sort of like, if you, if you've ever read, I should hope you have, um, if you've ever read some of the original Grimm's fairy tales and that sort of things, you know that they're really dark, they're nothing like with Disney and, you know, so many other people have sort of cutified, like, no, they're really fucking dark and twisted and scary, yeah, like, if you like that kind of that kind of thing um you will definitely love the stories in this book uh you know like i said they, these are the type that you would definitely want to tell around 
the campfire or in a makeshift tent in your bedroom with your best mates, you know, like they'll, they'll adore you for this one. Let's just put it that way. Um, by far, this is probably one of my favorite books from childhood. Um, I have a lot, don't get me wrong. I have way more than should be normal, but, but this is definitely still one of my favorites. It still has a place of honor on my bookshelf to this day. Um, yeah, and the wonderfully creepy illustrations that are just littered throughout this book. Oh my god, that's the thing that brings this book to life. So make sure that when you do go and buy a copy of this book, that you make sure it has illustrations by Stefan Gamble, okay? It needs to have his original illustrations in it and not like you know illustration less book or somebody else drawing it like please no don't don't do that okay do not do that don't rob yourself of the experience i am telling you if these stories don't give you a fright the illustrations by this dude will okay okay now in terms of where you can find it once again this is a bit of a classics like i don't even know if this might even be in the classic sections it's not like that old but it's just like I said, this is just like a piece of classic horror. Yes. Um, but if not, like I said, this one you should definitely be able to find in your local bookstores um, and in your online retailers. It, it'll definitely be there. Easy peasy. Just go and check it out. And now that's it for our bookish showcasing. Um, I think probably at this point we will go to a quick break and then continue on to our musical selection. Oh, and by the way, if you'd like to support me and this podcast, head on over to Anchor and click that support button to become a greatly appreciated supporter of this project. No amount is too small or too large, and all proceeds will help keep inspiration strikes, typically three in the morning, up and running for the foreseeable future. So become a subscriber today if the inspiration strikes you. Now, let's continue on with some music, shall we? Well, actually, let me just give a quick announcement first. It might not be that quick, but listen, I, I kind of think I have to do this because I'm not going to be able to fit this in anywhere else. And we are already in the second to last week of October, which is just, I tell the freaking hell did that happen anyway next month is NaNoWriMo although I've always called it NaNoWriMo but whatever anyway for those that don't know it's an annual internet-based creative writing event hosted well pretty much everywhere and it happens in the month of November each and every year originally the idea was to write a 50 thousand word novel in 30 days that's one month and yeah start to finish like you're supposed to start something brand new not something that you had started writing before or whatever and you just finish in the month or something like that no you're supposed to begin and finish a novel 50,000 words in a month um now of course it's a bit more I wouldn't say lenient, but flexible in what you write. So 
long as it still meets the 50,000 word goal. So that means if you do want to pick up on something that you started on before or, you know, whatever, or if you um, want to write a script or a collection of short stories or uh, poetry or nonfiction works, you know, like memoirs, autobiographies, what have you, or even fan fiction, you know, if you want to do stuff like that, you can. The goal of this event is simply to help writers, young and old, challenge themselves to start and finish that novel that you've always dreamed of starting, finishing, writing, whatever. And, you know, like I said, like to actually do it. Um, this is m more self-motivated. Like they do have a lot of motivational things that they do, you know, pep talks from actual authors and stuff like that, um, writing classes, the whole shebang. Um, but it's more like, like I said, like self-motivated, so to speak, but they have lots of things to help you stay motivated and to keep you going. Um, and tons of, you know, meetups, local meetups that you can find to find out who is your um, municipal sponsor, so to speak. You, you know, you look around, see what areas they'll have certain write-ins. I don't, not the only thing is, of course, because of COVID-19, I don't know if they're going to still do any of the physical write-ups, but, you know, we got things like Skype and Zoom and whatnot so most likely all of those write-ups will now be virtual which for me actually is even better um but hey you know the point of the matter is is yeah you know like this can be done even with coronavirus okay so yeah um and granted most of the content that's finished and i say that with air quotes and all um, is actually just the first draft of whatever novel or piece of writing that you're trying to do. But I mean, by God, let me tell you, even getting that first draft down is one step closer to your goal of publishing that novel or script or book or whatever that you've been wanting to do since forever. Now, me personally, I've been a participating member of NaNoWriMo since its inception back in 99. Oh, the memories. And I've watched it evolve and grow over the years. Um, you know, I've also put out several books from my NaNoWriMo experiences. I am probably the worst person ever because I don't like to self-promote at all like I don't I don't shit this would be like exactly the time where you'd be like go buy my book and da 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 and like I, I don't do that like <laughs> I don't need people knowing what I've written <laughs> it sounds absolutely ridiculous but anyway the point of the matter is listen um besides me there are many many other individuals who have published written books from this um some really famous ones would be The Water for Elephants by Sarah Gren, Persistence of Memory by Amelia Atwater Rhodes, The Night Circus by Aaron Morgenstein, Cinder by Marissa Mayer, Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's there's a bunch of them that you know full well, um, you know, you know very well, 
and yeah, you, you know, like, this is not something that can't be done or that people don't really use to help them write things that are publishable. They do. I look forward to November because of this event. And that's why I'm sharing this news with all of you. I was going to actually make a proper like announcement episode, which I still might do. Once again, it's if I have time. <laughs> oh god. Listen, if I can, I'll make a proper announcement episode. Um like mini episode, whatever. Uh but if not, then this is my announcement to you guys. Um, you know, I'm not sponsored or backed by the good folks at Danarimo, so don't think I'm doing this for the dollars, because I ain't. Even though that would be really freaking nice, Nanarimo people, hello, hi. Um, I just love this event, you know, and all the creativity that it brings, and that is why I always advocate for it every year without fail. Um, you know, no paid sponsorship or nothing involved, like just, yeah. At any rate, that being said, um, I think most of next month I will probably doing like a podcast version of NaNoWriMo. Perhaps I'll read with you guys whatever I decide to write for this year's event or or maybe I will see if I can interview some good folks who found NaNoWriMo particularly helpful in motivating them to write and complete their written works. I, I don't know. Listen, listen. All I'm saying is, is that all of next month will be NaNoWriMo. So expect that. Um, for all of y'all who are actually planning to participate this year, whether you knew about it or you didn't, or you did know about it, but you forgot because life, well, head on over to NaNoWriMo.org. That's N-A-N-O-W-R i m o dot o r g and sign up today it's really simple you know it's nothing complicated or anything whatever you just fill in your you know your username you make a username email password whatever and then you can start filling out your information for whatever it is that you want to write or do or whatever you know, like I said, find your local municipal mun- municipal uh, whatever find your local people to help you um, and see if there's any write-ins. There's always virtual write-ins. Actually, now that I think about it, there's always virtual write-ins. See if there's any actual local write-ins. And like I said, it's probably not a good idea for you to try to go to the physical in-person ones right now. But you can maybe find the people who are leading them and then connect with them online and see if, you know, you guys can get something cool going locally or whatever, you know, meet other cool people who like writing like you do. And yeah, do your thing, you know, but anyway, so that's the supposedly, (laughs) supposedly short announcement that I had for you guys. Uh, now let's finally get to the music selection for this week. So once again, the theme or topic or whatever is fear. And all of these songs 
even if they're not directly related with fear, there's like something about them that sort of, like I said, once again, sort of has that mood, that vibe, whatever. So this one, once again, thank goodness, is actually like a proper playlist length. It's not in any order or anything whatsoever. These are just songs that, like I said, they hit me, you know, just the right way. So yeah. So the first one is called Dinner and Diatribes. I believe that's how it's pronounced. Don't hit me. By Hosier. Um, the second one is the slightly chipped full moon, which is the theme song, one of the theme songs for, for Kuroshitsuji, uh, season two, I think it was probably, probably for season two. The next one is Merry Go Round by Yohio. I think that's how he wants his name pronounced, whatever. The fourth one is I Want to Be Evil by Eartha Kitt. And if you guys have not seen the music video, it's not even a music video. It's like the the live production of her doing that back in the day. You really should. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, number five is Eight-Legged Dream by Unlike Pluto. The sixth one is Scary Dark and Evil Piano and Violin Music, Lucifer's Waltz by Succession Studios. So I think what I'll do is for a few of these that are um, like very specific, I will put links to the YouTube video of them in the description. You'll be able to find them there. And I'll also put the, the, the link to, um, to the NaNoWriMo website in the description as well. So you can just click on that. Um, where was I up to? Oh yes, number seven is Domination by Dust Cell. Number eight is Survive the Night by Mando Poon- by Mando Pony. Number nine is Horror Show by CG5. Number ten is Mythanacht by Anomine. Number eleven. is gutter glitter sorry so much for whatever the hell that noise is out there lord have mercy (sighs) apologies for all of that and it's back (laughs) right then number 11 is gutter glitter by switchblade symphony Number 12 is Dissolve, also by Switchblade Symphony. Number 13 and number 14 are both cover songs. And they are called Sweet Dreams Are Made of This. It's Eurythmics cover songs, both of them. Um, The first one is by Marilyn Manson and the second one is by Emily Browning. You should listen to the original, obviously. I mean, if you haven't heard it, then what the F? How do you even exist? How are you alive? Go listen to it. But if you haven't heard these covers, that, I mean, that's still like, how the fuck? But if you haven't, you should definitely go listen to these particular covers, especially the Marilyn Manson one, because, oh my God. (laughs) 
that's some creepy shit there okay it really is it's just creepy and oh it's beautiful i love it okay number 15 because that was 13 and 14 number 15 beautiful people by marilyn manson number 16 dragula by rob zombie number 17 and 18 are both the same song the first is the original down with the sickness by disturbed and the second one is down with the sickness the cover version by violet orlandi featuring i mori so obviously nothing and no one can do a better job of this song than the original artist disturbed if you haven't heard this song once again i feel like where have you been like have you been living under a rock no, even under a rock, you would have heard this song. It's just, it's not possible. You need you. There's no way you could tell me that you have not heard this song. And it's perfect, in and of itself. However, recently I have heard this gorgeous cover by these two ladies, and it's you know like to be perfectly honest with you, it's like. It's like if Amy Lee from Evanescence and Disturbed decided to get together and make a co- and made a, and made a cover of this song. That's what this version would sound like, and that in itself just sounds like a weird sentence. But it's great, like, <laughs> like it's great. So definitely, once again, I will, I'll link that one as well, um, because you'll want to go straight to the music video to go check these chicks out. Um, yeah. So number 19 is called Bloody Angel by Avatar. Number 20 is So Human of You by Shireen. And lastly, number 21, Welcome to My Nightmare by Alice Cooper. And that, my friends, is the end of my musical selection for you guys. I hope you enjoyed this week. I hope you guys either found some new fantastic reads that you didn't know about or if you did know about them and you'd forgotten that you are once again inspired to go and pick them up and read them this wonderful spooky Halloween season and same thing for this these songs, I mean, you know, like I said, a lot of them, at least to me, a lot of them you should know about, you know, I really would be quite upset if you guys don't know about a bunch of these songs, but if you haven't heard of them, then I hope I have just introduced you to some fantastic music and that you continue to expand your musical horizons from this day forth. And with that, I bid you a wonderful, happy, safe, weird week. Until next week, stay safe, wear your fucking masks, don't do stupid shit, and have fun with life. I don't know. Whatever. I'll catch y'all next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening, and I hope to see you all back here for another episode next week, or the week after. 
or the week after that. Listen, how about we not make any promises and just say, see you again another time, yeah? Cheers.